Hello, hello, everybody. I am just getting ready. Let me know if you guys can hear me. I'm new to this. <laughs> can y'all hear me? Can y'all see me? Last time I did this uh, without Dorsey, our, our brilliant producer, uh, it was hilarious because I was up in the camera's face not knowing what was going on. So I'm hoping this looks better. Let's give it a second to see. Hmm. All good. All right. Popcorn ready. I'm loving it. Okay. So I am starting uh this 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 new thing i guess we you know we should have started it earlier but uh we are going to be covering debates as often as possible in key senate races and key races across the country from now until election day because uh, things are just too close as you all know and uh, we had a team meeting today and everybody's on on board with this not only are we going to be covering the big debate tomorrow between uh, Kamala Harris, Senator Kamala Harris, and Vice President Mike Pence at a very unusual time. Uh, <laughs> I hope Pence gets tested again, because what we're seeing is that it takes sometimes a few times, four to five times before they test positive. But not only are we going to be covering that tomorrow night, we're going to have a great show. Uh, we're going to have some California consultants on. I figured we'd bring some real uh, brain trust, folks that we may not always agree with on issues, but know a lot about the process in California, who've run races in California, know a lot about Kamala. That's kind of, of, of the perspective I was looking to bring in. Uh, and I'm going to look for a couple more guests as well. I think it's going to be a really interesting show. You're you're likely not to see anything like it, uh, definitely not on YouTube right now. So what we want to do is bring you these debates, which for the most part, people are watching in their states, maybe. And because the stakes are so high, especially for the Senate right now, uh, it is, it, it's something I think a lot of folks want to watch and we like watching debates. I mean, I watched the Markey, I watched a few uh, uh, of the debates in um, in Massachusetts between Markey and uh and Joe Kennedy, and they were interesting. Uh, I also am a debate junkie. I think this is just, this is like totally up my alley. I, I was in Sedona yesterday. I was in uh, Phoenix over the weekend, and I saw the Trump supporters. I saw the conspiracy theorists who were organizing on the ground there. And, uh, you know, while the polls are all over the place, I, you know, it, it's very hard to say right now how much of that is real support. Uh, partly because the polls right now show that Mark Kelly, who, if you guys don't remember, is the husband of uh, Congresswoman Gabrielle Giffords. Uh, Gabrielle Giffords was shot almost 10 years ago, about nine years ago, uh, in Arizona. This was around the time of the Tea Party. This was pre-QAnon, you know, very, very early stage of, of, of this type of movement. But, you know, this, this type of right wing these attacks have existed for decades, um, you know, even maybe over so over a decade, over decades, uh, over a century, and that you always have conspiracy theorists, people who might be a little bit unwell, uh, targeting lawmakers for whatever reasons. And there was a mass shooting, actually not too far from my grandparents' house, just down the street, less than a mile away, at a Safeway parking lot in uh, Tucson, Arizona, on the northwest side of Tucson, Arizona, and that is where. Uh, Gabrielle Giffords was shot uh, point blank. She survived. Um, many of her staffers did not, I think three if I recall. And uh, she stayed in office for a little bit longer. 
but there were always rumors that Mark Kelly, her husband, who is an astronaut, <laughs> that he was going to run for something. And sure enough, uh, whether he was convinced or he, he thought of it himself, he is running for Senate now. And he is leading Martha McSally, who is from the same district in Tucson, Arizona. She represented that district after Gabrielle Giffords left office. There were several races in a row. Gabrielle Giffords aide Ron Barber uh, won in a special election after her race and then in a general election against Martha McSally. But then Martha McSally ran again and she ended up taking that seat. Uh, then she later ran against Kirsten Sinema. Kirsten Sinema, of course, is the former Congresswoman um, who once was labeled as a progressive is now a blue dog in, in Arizona. Uh, she, once she got elected to Congress, she moved further and further to the right. And then she assumed office in the Senate, uh, beating Martha McSally. But there have been two vacancies in Arizona in the last few years. Uh, from Senator Kyle, who was a longtime senator in Arizona, who decided to step down. And then, of course, Senator John McCain, who two years ago uh, died uh, while in office, a little under two years, I believe. And so McSally was appointed. Now here's the big, <laughs> the big moment, right? Uh, Arizona is, all eyes are on Arizona. It is, it is a state that Democrats have thought for a long time they could, they could turn. I worked on a race in 2006 in Arizona. It was a coordinated campaign in which uh, it was a great year for Democrats, which is what people are thinking is going to happen this year. Uh, Republicans all-time low approval rating in 2006. We we're in the middle of the Iraq War, and Democrats took the House. Uh, and with that, Arizona actually turned blue. We had a Democratic governor in Arizona uh, at that time. It was Jenna Napolitano, and then of course, President Obama appointed Jenna Napolitano to be the head of Homeland Security. And then the office was taken over, the governor's office was taken over by not just Republicans, but crazy Republicans. So there's a certain level of crazy that exists in the Arizona Republican Party, but it's not all of the Republican Party. And I think that's a very important thing to think about moving in. Uh, we're two minutes away before this debate starts, but you know there are more independents registered than Democrats and Republicans in Arizona. Uh, this year could be seismic. 80% of Democrats vote early, and they're, or, excuse me, 80% of Arizonans who vote, vote early because they've had early voting for a long time. So I think it's just, you can go to a polling site and vote early. I, actually, I don't know if it's a polling site. I think it's a location you have to go to. You can vote in person. You can vote by mail. Uh, they're, they're used to this. And there is a Republican governor and legislature, and they still are able to trust mail-in voting. Isn't that funny? So... Arizona has been in the mix for a long time. Uh, there's a large Latino population, of course, and there are immigration issues. Uh, there's a lot of gerrymandering in this state. And I think Senator Schumer has thought when he looks at these races, it's important to find centrist blue dog Democrats. I don't buy that argument, but we'll talk about that a little bit later. I am going to uh, get this stream going. In 56 seconds, they're going live, so I'm gonna start to share my screen. If you guys can tell me in my chat if it's working, please do, it would be great. So just while we're sitting here, I wanna tease out that if you guys remember Green Shirt Guy, Google that when you get a chance, he is gonna be joining us later after uh, the debate. He is an Arizona activist. He's, he's a well-known Arizona activist. And he uh, he's, he's a friend, he's based in Tucson, uh, and he is going to be joining us for some analysis. And I'm really, really excited about that. Uh, here we go. I think this is working now. Super excited. You're definitely going to hear his analysis. He knows 
like every little detail of democratic politics, but he's a progressive. When he went viral, I, I loved it because at that time, you know, centrists were so excited about I'm him. Alberto Rios. Uh, I'm American, Mexican. that ad for a second. Um, so at that time, you know, he went viral for laughing at, you know, the, the, the right wing anti the Trumpers who showed up at a, at a conversation or, uh, with city government about uh, about immigration. So, oh, look at all of these. <laughs> you can see all my messages. I'm going to change that up so you guys can't see that. So just while we're doing this right now. Uh, Kelly is up around 11 to 13 percent as of yesterday. There was a poll conducted October 1st through 3rd to Siena College New York Times poll. Uh, he's up by 11 percent. And then a um, morning consult poll, which is a lo little less reliable. He's up by 13 percent. So, you know, interesting stuff here. We are in the middle of a commercial break, which I was not told about. <laughs> we are gonna stop sharing until the show is back. Uh, yeah, so that was an interesting um, start of a debate. Not Nothing super uh, exciting from the top, except for the fact that Martha McSally seems to be extremely desperate right now uh, with her attacks on Mark Kelly. Uh, she is she is at least down, at least. There's several polls out there, but she is at least down right now by 10 points. Somewhere around 11 to 13, the most recent polls. Uh, the most accurate poll is um, she's down by 11 points. What I found most interesting, and we'll talk about this afterwards, with Alex Kack, who is an, a community organizer in Tucson. He's been involved in politics for a long time. You may know him as the green shirt guy. Uh, he is gonna be joining us afterwards to do some analysis uh, with me to talk about Arizona, just like the landscape. But what I found was so interesting is she was distancing herself from Donald Trump, which is odd because Donald Trump is actually doing better than she is in the polls right now. So you'd think that she would want to tie herself a little bit more to Donald Trump uh, than distance herself. So maybe there's something in the subtext of the polls that we're not seeing where she's losing support. Uh, maybe in, when she, well, first thing, she didn't win her Senate seat. So let's just make that very clear. She was appointed to the Senate seat and she lost to Kirsten Sinema uh, and, and she lost, but she was able to keep a part of her support that might be critical of Donald Trump, how she'd be able to make up that difference. I think this race is actually a very accurate analysis of the real state of Arizona, which is you have a very loud portion of Trump supporters on the right, on the far right, but the majority of the Republican Party is 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 a little bit more libertarian. It's it's a little bit more like a John McCain, a John Kyle. I mean that the Goldwater Republicans uh, is a different type of Republican Party. Just in the last decade or so, I think a lot of people in 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 national politics, including Chuck Schumer, think it's more far right. Uh, and and that I think my my only criticism is that you have Chuck Schumer who does you know he is the the, the head of the Democratic Senate caucus he's running you know he's the leadership for the DSCC the Democratic Senate Campaign Committee and so they are picking the choices for Democrats and uh, Kirsten Sinema of course is a blue dog Democrat 
And Mark Kelly has, you know, while he's not taking corporate PAC money, he has shifted a little bit left. He did not start that way. And and Gabby Giffords was a blue dog as well. So I think there's an idea of what Arizonans are. Uh, but of course, Bernie Sanders did do very, very well. So all those those attacks on him, uh, Mark Kelly for siding with Bernie Sanders, I'm not sure that's going to work out. All right, we're going to go live again uh, right now. Hello, Alex. Hey. While you set up, I'm just going to do a couple shout outs to our chat room. Um, our, our producer, Dorsey, is sleeping because it's New York. It's very late and he does a morning show. Um, so I'm just going to give us a couple shout outs because I've been manually doing it. So thanks to everybody in the chat who's been keeping it alive. Uh, first off, and this is in no particular order because my notes are very messy. So I apologize if it hasn't been the cleanest. Um, Delana, I love the Machine Gun Kelly reference. That was awesome. Call him Machine Gun Kelly. Very funny. Yufio, one of our, our our favorites in the chat, threw in a lot of comments about healthcare pulling more, pulling better as an issue when it comes to these nuanced uh, debates around gun reform because it got very murky. We'll get to that in a second. Um, and how McSally has no problem funding uh, the police, but does not want to fund mental health and education, of course. Uh, Jess, thank you for the love. Trump, uh, yeah, so she was, so, so McSally was distancing herself from Trump, um, and perhaps that's because of a directive, uh, with her, her, her positioning on the stimulus, and that, sh that Trump pissed her off. Good, good reference there. Zachary Fluke, thank you for the love. Uh, Michael Anton Liu, thank you for the love. And Medicare for All, of course. Lena, yes, left is best. Thanks for the love. Lourdes, thanks for the love. That guy, thank you for the love. Vinny, oh, I can't read my handwriting. I'm going to say Vinny. <laughs> we do not need conservative activists, judges. And Carlos, thanks for the love. I hope I didn't miss anybody. These are my horrible, horrible notes. Uh, so I have five pages worth of notes. Alex Kack is a community organizer, also known as the green shirt guy. I asked him to wear the green shirt because because you have to. And, and it's it's looking a little worn down, Alex. Oh, it's I mean, there's like permanent. I think there's beer stains in it at <laughs> this point before the famous moment or after. Oh, definitely after. <laughs> <laughs> Look, so, it's been a rough year, OK? <laughs> it's been a rough year, exactly. I've worn this dress like four days in a row. I hear you. Um, all right, so the debate just finished up between Mark Kelly and uh, astronaut Mar Mark Kelly. He is the spouse of uh, former Congresswoman Gabrielle Giffords from Arizona, for, for the youngins here who may not know. <laughs> and he was uh, debating Senator Ma Martha McSally, who Strangely enough, was a congresswoman in the same district that Gabrielle Giffords served. Um, sort of the ricochet of events that happened after uh, Gabrielle Giffords was shot in 2011 by a crazy person, uh, sort of stemming out of that that the right wing like explosion, the far right wing explosion that occurred um, around the Tea Party. So, Alex, you live in Tucson, and I just you know let's just before we get into all the details, like who do you think won the debate? I mean, it's it's always hard to pick. I pick winners and losers in these things, candidly. But yeah. uh, it definitely seemed like Kelly had the better presentation until right there at the end, right, of that that desperate gotcha moment from McSally of challenging him to three more debates. Oh my god! And and 
the obvious thing to do is to bring up the fact that there is one on the books and then just say yes right. to two more. Yeah. Um, you know, call her a liar and then say, but I'll any, anywhere, anytime. And his inability to do that just like ended it on the weakest possible note. Well, what he mentioned Univision oh, though. Okay. What was the Univision thing? That's a form. So that's what I was saying. Got it. Say, say the next one. Say, well, you as you know, there's already one next week, but I'll do two more with you if that's what you really want. That would have been the obvious thing to do. And I, I have no idea other than just clearly he wanted to get off that stage and not do this anymore. <laughs> well, I think the one thing that was is interesting about that is, um, and I said this at the top of the show, that, you know, Arizonans, 80% of Arizonans vote early. So they vote before Election Day. And that's in multiple different ways. And, and Alex, you can, you know, if you want to explain more about that, yeah, I, I, I definitely defer to you. But it doesn't just mean vote by mail. You know, you can show up in person at their site. So they're, the, the debate is happening now. You know, if, if she is, it's October 6th. There's 28 days until the election. What does she want, 16 debates? I mean, it's not like everybody's watching. It's a it's small, small audience. Yeah. Well, and the truth is, I mean, you mentioned we do have a, a, a county by county. We've got a variety of ways to vote early in Arizona, but the vast majority of that is mail-in ballots. And that's way right. before the pandemic. Uh, ballots drop here in, I think, six days. That's, they're going to be in people's hands. And when we're doing elections here, the way we forecast them, there are two times when when those mail-in ballots are getting delivered or mm -hmm. sent back. Right after they hit people's mailboxes, that you know the early birds, they fill them out, they turn them back around a day, two days later. And then the people who wait till the last possible day. Either way, though, if you're trying to schedule three more debates with one that's already on the books next week, two of those debates are going to happen after the majority of people have already voted in this thing. So, I mean, there she, she doesn't want three more debates. Tonight yeah. didn't go well for her. That was not a pleasurable experience for Martha McSally. <laughs> she just wanted, that was her desperate Hail yeah. Mary, you know, of I, I can, it's her I gotcha moment. That's the word that I got from there. Um, you know, we can get into the details of, of a little bit, you know, after this, but desperation was the sense that I got, that she was throwing everything against the wall. Uh, half the time, I didn't really understand what her strategy was. And I think part of that, and I said this um, at the top, was I don't really understand, you know, she wasn't elected. For those of you who are just tuning in or tuned in late, she wasn't elected. She was appointed by Doug Ducey, the governor, uh, after Senator McCain died. And she lost in a race against Kirsten Cinema. And of course, she she represented a swing district uh, in Arizona. And and when she ran in Arizona in Tucson, she was a little bit more moderate. And on stage tonight, I, I was like one. You know, sometimes she was a little cute. Sometimes she was a little uh, more centrist. I don't think she was necessarily like shooting all the conversation around shooting and and her military service she wasn't really shooting with aim. And I think some of that is because she actually doesn't have the space right now to make up. There's literally no voting population that exists for her to win. Am I wrong? No, and I mean, you're not wrong at all. I mean, and this is a larger Republican party issue, but it's gonna be front and center in Arizona. The truth is the, the Republican coalition from Nixon till 2016 was this devil's agreement between the worst and craziest people on the fringes of society and, and these capitalist business interests that were happy to exploit them to keep pushing kind of a dead economic ideology that no one else wanted. That's the only way they were able to get these Republican candidates through. 
at the state level or in the White House. Trump blew that up because hmm. Trump Trump was that final nail in the coffin that leaned all into one direction of just conspiracy theory and hate, right? When you get into an electorate like Arizona, we have more than our fair share of loons in the electorate. That's, <laughs> look. Yeah, I, I was at the rally this weekend. I, I stumbled upon, let me be very clear, I didn't look for it. It showed up across the street from the brunch place I was going to and disrupted it. Yeah, and it forced me to be an activist instead of going to brunch. It was a real problem. No, I mean, my 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 viral fame is yeah, oh yeah. Okay, to the so, fact that there are loons in the electorate here. Wait, I didn't I didn't set that up. Can we just can we just touch on we, that for a we second? Can. We can. All right, all right. So I was I've been being a bad. Uh, so 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 Alex, while I find the actual article. Uh, tell us a little bit about, you know, what you were doing that day when you went viral for wearing a green shirt. <laughs> uh, so I was working on a campaign, as mm -hmm. one does, uh, in Tucson, uh, which is called Tucson Families Free and Together. Uh, and we were trying to uh, pass sanctuary city measures within the city uh, at the ballot line. So it would have been the first time that the voters of a city, not elected officials, had chosen to put these types of protections in place. Uh, unfortunately, we didn't win. But... Before that, during a city council meeting on our ballot initiative, some people from Phoenix, from a far-right hate group based in Phoenix, decided to drive down and, like, crash the city council meeting. And they also had, like, no idea what they were talking about. Like, they didn't realize this was, like, something that was, like, going to be up for a vote in November. They were just, like, they thought the mayor was, like, forcing it in some, like, as like some dictator down the city, you know? <laughs> so they're like screaming at him. He was actually publicly like on their side on the issue, like against the this provision passing. So like the whole thing was just like beyond nuts. I mean, you went so viral. I Cause I remember when you started going, I saw these people from Arizona that I knew giving commentary about you and I'm like, what? Oh my God, this is this is like a left, this is a Bernie supported leftist. And like, I'm seeing centrist Republicans, centrist. I mean, I'm sure like our favorite MSNBC commentators were commenting on it, but it was it was pretty, it was a great moment. It was a really good moment. Um, so yeah, the loons exist. We know it, they're really loud. But how much of the, the, the voting population are they in the Republican Party? And I mean, it seemed like tonight, Martha McSally seemed beholden to them, but I mean, is she really? I think it's all she has left is the problem. Hmm. I think that Trump at the top of the ticket has cut in this state, especially with the continued attacks on John McCain, the kind of beef that he had with Jeff Flake, like it left this kind of vacuum uh, that if you were on the center right, chances are you're either just like sitting the election out or you're voting Democratic at, at this point. And that seems to be kind of the, the broad consensus. Um, that means that McSally has to like try to thread a really difficult needle because the people who have funded her political career don't want crazy. They don't want overtly racist. That's And there's actually a recording from the last time she ran for office of one of her big donors kind of grilling her about leaning into the Trumpism too much. Wow. And she, yeah, she got like secretly recorded and she was like, well, he'll run against me, you know, and then we'll just lose the seat. But she, what, she has no real base anymore. And I think we saw that tonight. You know, we saw her go real heavy, like trying to just so inauthentically pretend to be Trump with the goofy nicknames and the, I mean, what was that? There's China. How many times did she say I'm oh, your yeah. girl or China? Oh. <laughs> and, and, and counterfeit Kelly. I mean, okay. 
I get like you repeat a message over and over and it sticks in people's brains, but it's not like Mark Kelly has exhibited those things. And the attack ads you see right now are very much about how it is focused on China. It's about how Mark Kelly, you know, it really is like like a stretch that he made all this money, uh, you know, overseas. And and when you really start to break it down, and, and we can criticize Mark Kelly in a second because he's no perfect uh, Democrat either. But when you break it down, it's like he started a business. He took investment like uh, I don't know how many people in the Republican Party do and how many Democrats do, too. And I think that when a business minded Arizona hears these these attacks, they think, well, I've taken investors, too. And and then she attached it to some sort of like you went to space and you carried a Chinese banner and then the Chinese government sent you on a propaganda trip. OK, Martha, I'd like to see how many trips you've been on, because every single lawmaker in Washington has been invited on foreign trips you know, sometimes there's extreme attachments associated with them. And sometimes it's like, take a tour of our country, meet our leaders, because they need to have that kind of dialogue. It just it just seemed, as, as you said, desperate. And, and I don't know how much of that is actually going to, like, what was curious to me was, where is the strategy? Where is the China vote? Like, who is this mystical China vote voter that is like, well, <laughs> now that I know that he is affiliated with China, I am done. I am not I'm not voting for him. Well, and yeah, I mean, it's it's literally it's ratcheting up a new Cold War and or at least pretending that we're already in the middle of one. Right. To try to to try to win an election. Right. But like, let's cut to like the meat of what she said. There's at one point she said, I don't question your patriotism. I'm questioning your judgment and whether you're compromised because of your business deals. Right. He, so we're talking about a guy who started a business and not just any business, but like a tech business. Exactly who bought stuff and took some money from private people in China. Like, let's just be clear. That is like newsflash. That's every business. <laughs> that's... that's doing business in the 21st century. That's doing business since 1975, basically. So yeah. if you're going to say that someone is disqualified for running for office, well, first off, that's every Republican. That's every yeah. Republican holding office. And pro fact, probably including McSally, if she's got an investment portfolio. It's laughably right. absurd. That's right. So, I mean, he and he didn't he didn't for the most part, he didn't take the bait. But I do wish he didn't respond. There's a difference between taking the bait and becoming defensive about it. But he did respond. And, and, and then he, he had this repetitive response, which is, I don't know where you're getting your information from. I don't know where you're going to be. And I think what he was alluding to was, oh, she's part of that conspiracy side of the Republican Party. I wish she, I wish he'd actually said it a little bit more explicitly. Like, you know, Martha, listen, Martha, I've known you for years. Like you, you ran for Gabby's seat. We knew you in the community. It's not like we don't know you. You're from Tucson. We work in Paul. You were a centrist. Some of my staffers went over, you know, Gabrielle Gifford's staffers went over to your office. I, who are you right now? Why are you resorting to these desperate tactics? I mean, these are crazy people online who are saying the most absurd things and you're echoing their statements. And I, and I think, because that's the game she played, and I think if he called that out, like, for instance, the Ilhan Omar part, <laughs> losing my mind. <laughs> okay, so uh, there was this moment, of course, where m many moments where Martha McSally uh, originally was like, you funded the squad and these radical leftists. Of course, she's talking about the organization that, that is for for gun reform and they're advocating for certain gun reforms, sensible gun reforms in, in their words, uh, in for all lawmakers. And so they have an endorsement list that it's everywhere from 
you know, the most centrist Democrats to, yeah, more left-leaning Democrats. But she she was, you know, really doing all she could to paint him. And, and I think that's, you know, of course, racist and nativist and sexist. And we can go down the list of, of what she's actually doing there. But does that appeal? I mean, is that... Is, is there a, a percentage of, like, the centrists who kind of secretly, you know, they watch Fox News all day and, and they're like, well, that might have actually swung them? I doubt it. I really doubt it at this point. Like, don't get me wrong. The Republican Party in Arizona, and specifically in certain parts of Arizona, has been playing, you know, these race issues uh, and stoking white fear for a lot longer and a lot more overtly than, than the Republican Party by large in the nation yeah. was. I mean, you know, this is where Joe Arpaio was grown. Uh, Joe Arpaio being, of course, the uh, the the sheriff who in the early 90s, I mean, they would do specials around. I remember Bill Barr, politically incorrect, like the early one, uh, did a special back when he was a little bit more left leaning about Joe Arpaio and the cruel things he did to his inmates, yeah. like putting them in pink shorts and, and much worse. And of course, you know, he's gotten a lot of trouble for that. Yeah, I mean, we're talking about, like, this is a man who, like, tortured inmates and then also, like, took the money he was saving by not feeding them and giving them air conditioning and, like, bought a tank that didn't work with it. Like, you know, so, I mean, like, like Arizona has elected some crazy Republicans, sure. But I don't think, when you're talking about those people that are sitting and that are fairly moderate and are relatively rational, but they're maybe upper middle class and they're voting on, on pocketbook class issues that they feel like they're a part of something they're a part of a wealthier group than they really are i don't think they're sitting there and hearing omar and you know there's this crazy like leftist insurgency and everyone's wearing red berets going through their heads like mcsally was hoping um <laughs> And I mean, like, let's be honest. I mean, she tried to play Mark Kelly and paint him as basically that, as basically like a South American revolutionary, which is <laughs> beyond laughable. It's like, okay, so so let's actually let me give a quick shout out before I ask you about that. Um, this is what happens when we do lives. Uh, Stephen yeah. Cost, thank you for the love. Stephen Cost says Mark Kelly is killing this debate. McSally knows she is losing badly. McSally is a Goddamn liar. Everyone out there, vote up and down the ticket. Don't let the GOP of Trump trick you. Vote for Dems who are a little better than Republican candidates. I think that's well said, and that's a perfect segue into, well, who is Mark Kelly politically? I mean, can you give us kind of like the broad spectrum of where he stands on issues? We heard some of it tonight. Um, there were certain moments in the chat where people fell in love with him, and they're like, oh, man, we fell in love with you, and then he did that. But so who is he? I mean, let's take a step back from where he's at in the issues, right? Because if we were to say something, we would say he's a moderate. And and I don't even think that you, it's fair to just say that Kelly's a political moderate. I think we saw on the stage tonight, going back to what you were saying about the way he didn't kind of cleverly attack and spar with McSally. Like, he is a moderate person in terms Personality, yeah, okay. Like, he is, but that is political too. Those things aren't usually so separate. Hmm. Um. And he's a perfect example of that. Like he's an embodiment of one kind of calm mindset overall. That's a positive way of spinning the fact that he and I are worlds apart on a lot of issues, <laughs> um, to be perfectly honest. Uh, let's let's break down, I think, the things that are most appealing about him, right? Sure. Uh, public option for healthcare. He's been beating that drum for a while. Is it what I want? Is it Medicare for all? No, but is it a step in that direction that's substantial and is gonna cover a lot of people, yes. So a public option for healthcare, that's been one of the central campaign issues and it's polling well. Uh, okay. 
you know, he's doing really well with it. Um, obviously, the thing that he isn't really known for is being Gabby's husband. And with that said, meaning stronger and stricter gun control, um, he is nowhere near the uh, kind of hawk on that issue that I think Sally tried to paint him out to be, though, despite the fact that that's kind of his central, like, locus point before running for office. His policies on it are still basically red flag laws, expanded background checks, closing gun show loopholes. I mean, standard fare stuff that most of everyone agrees on. Which is very popular for, for those of you who don't know, you know this. It's very popular among NRA members even. And that's why he could get away with that, that space there. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things that if you break it away, it's rhetoric that almost every American agrees with. Um, right. I mean, there are people that are, yeah, NRA members. There are people that are members of local gun clubs um, of all political bents who are usually pretty okay with the idea of if you have a history of beating your wife, you shouldn't have access to firearms and things like that. Um, there are things where it gets, I think, murkier and where we get further apart. And and I think this is an important point about both of these candidates, though, is that uh, both of them tonight, to me, felt like candidates out of time. Hmm. Both, you know, McSally is desperately trying to figure out where she exists in a modern Republican party that has shown in two elections now that it has no use or desire for her. She's trying to sound like this 2012 and before kind of moderate who's slightly socially conservative and trying to jive that into Trump's Republican party, right? But the mm -hmm. same thing is kind of true of Kelly. In a lot of his answers, he sounds like a pre-Obama Democrat. Right, very much so, yep. And even what we consider today moderate and centrist Democrats that we were railing against in the primary are usually pretty far to the left of that, just candidly. So, so interesting point on that because I've you know looking at some of these key seats across the country, um, I'm noticing a trend here. You know, you've got Amy McGrath versus Charles Booker. Uh, of course, Amy McGrath running against uh, Mitch McConnell. Um, I mean, really, a lot. All I think all of the swing seats right now. Uh, in terms of the Senate, where we could win back seats, are fairly conservative Democrats. How much of this is a, is a Chuck Schumer issue, of all people? And what he thinks, because he's from a different era, because he's he is a New Yorker, he's not from, you know, is this, is, is this his idea of, like, what he thinks a winnable Democrat looks like? Because he's just out of touch, frankly? I mean, yeah. And there's, you know, Saying Chuck Schumer is a good way to say a whole bunch of people, but yeah, he's one of them. And I think if you've been in, in Arizona Democratic politics in the last 15 years, there's been a lot of this. There's been a lot of like, let's run to the center, kind of uninspiring candidates who, you know, get their lunch handed to them because they were kind of propped up by people from other states who didn't really get the electorate here. I will say that Kelly is a little different than that. Uh, if you look at McGrath, McGrath had a strong primary challenger mm -hmm. in Booker and, and, locally that was a divisive issue there was people saying we should stand against her that didn't really happen with kelly i mean kelly right. was obviously on a national scale kind of an heir apparent that was pushed in there but there weren't a lot of people i think at the state level who were saying well you know let's provide an alternative to that there were enough people i think who even like vehemently disagreed with him who were kind of like well he's not a bad guy let's just get out of the way and see what happens oh, but they were I also mean, afraid no i mean it, he's a tough person if I, the story is 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 compelling i mean nobody wants to run against an astronaut and nobody wants to run against an astronaut who is the husband of a beloved congresswoman here who went through a tremendous tragedy 
No, I mean, that is kind of exactly a huge part of it. I mean, let's be honest. There's Gabby Giffords, as a congresswoman, was a blue dog Democrat. And there were all kinds of Democrats who were really upset with her at different times about different issues, um, representing a the swingiest of swing districts, right? But she did stick to her guns on issues. She was incredibly receptive on, you know, kind of community issues and, and on constituent outreach and things that are really easy to forget about when you're talking about congressmen and, and women. People forget how much of an impact that has on the reputation of these people. Right. And those offices can do so much more than just legislator push ideology. Her office wasn't a bad example of showing what it can do in the community. And of course, that's what happened, right? She got shot at a Congress on your corner. She was outside of a grocery store in her district, just meeting people and hearing their issues. And on a hot Arizona day, that's not always the funnest activity, but she did those and she did them a lot. Mm -hmm. um, so she had a reputation and by virtue of association, Kelly has that same reputation. That's not something that you wanna run against. I don't care if you're running in a primary or a general, you don't wanna be the person running against the person that even if you disagree with them, you can't, you can't help but kind of like being around them. Right. Yeah. Right. So, so he came out today and he said, um, after McSally called it the, um, was the, the bad green deal? Is that what she kept calling it? The, the, the green, green bad, bad deal. deal. Yeah. I think like, at one point she said green blue deal. Or like stumbled over. <laughs> See, I mean, obviously it was bad because she said it 19 times and I still couldn't remember it. Uh, yeah. And then and then and then mix and then Kelly had to clarify that he was against it, which I don't really understand how the Green New Deal. I mean, maybe it's just association with the squad, but it seems like we're past a point where I mean, if cl climate change, well, there was a poll that was cited where I think 70% of, of Arizonans think that we have to deal, uh, that they have to deal with, with climate change. Yeah, 70% of Arizonans, climate change ne needs to be a priority, a priority. And that um, that's with the looming crisis with water, which has been a you know an issue that people have been face talking about for since the 70s. But there's overdevelopment in Arizona, for those of you who don't know. Um, Air Phoenix, I believe, is the fifth largest city in the country. A lot of overdevelopment and the water supply out west is um, it's 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 a crisis, a major crisis. doesn't exist. The water doesn't supply exist. in Arizona yeah. doesn't exist. Yeah, it's literally. That. And then, of course, there's forest fire, you know, wildfires uh, that have ravaged the entire west for for a while. Just, you know, to mention a few things. So it, I just I don't understand how the Green New Deal cannot be like, like, why can't you just make a case? Why can't you just say, listen, you know. We have a lot of differences between, you know, uh, the squad and us. But one thing we do agree on is that climate change is an impending issue. And he instead, he doubled down and was like, well, I, you know, yeah, I believe in fossil fuels. And but there was no solution presented. And that, I think, is what's concerning. So I think there's two points to that, right? Which is one is a broader, I think, conversation about wh why do these Democrats keep backing away from the Green New Deal or any of these kind of slogan out policies that I mean, Biden's a great example of this, right? The, what the Unity Task Force put together is like, it's not what we said in the Green New Deal, but it's like, yeah. it's a it's actually a substantial climate plan. Yeah. And he could have easily just reappropriated it. He could have yeah. just owned it and just been like, this is just the Biden Green New Deal. We're right. no jobs guarantee, but we're gonna spend a bunch of money. You know, it, yeah. like he could have easily done that. That's my best uh, Delaware impression. But- uh, Come on, I, man. 
Come yeah. on. <laughs> shut, 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 man. What did yeah, that say? job guarantees malarkey, okay? But we're uh, we're gonna stop the fires. We're gonna pay people to stop the fires. Would you shut up? <laughs> yeah. But um, but this is an issue that, that Democrats have in general, especially moderate Democrats, right? Because they they allow the right to just yeah. run the lang- win and run the language war. And this goes back to the New Deal and, and, and all of that. Uh, they allow the right wing to make things sound scarier than they are and to take words that describe positions that sometimes they hold and they just back away from it. That's they, right. And I mean, you saw this liberal, right? That's the, that's the dirty word. And you saw McSally use it over and over and over again. Like it was an episode of the West Wing from 2001. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's this liberal takeover of this and that, which I, first off, I don't think that word scares even conservatives anymore. Not we're in a post Bernie Sanders, like democratic yeah. socialist era. It's just, it, it's toothless. Okay. So there's another thing. Democrats okay, still I'm sorry. duck from it. Well, that, my point is that Democrats still duck from the word liberal, like reflexively, right. like they're being punched instead of just saying, yeah, but this is what that means. Right. Okay. I mean, Calm down. just become an explainer. Like, yeah. doesn't mean you own, just, just say, because what happens is they get tense and they, and then they start to pivot and then it's an energy that they put out. And so in the most basic form of, of, of debate training that I could like give them from, you know, my, my, my college debate years is just exude confidence, right? And beyond that, I've done a lot of television debate. I should probably leave with that one, not with my high school and college debate days but that was more fun in my opinion well also i mean <laughs> that, might, serious. that might be the level that a lot of political candidates need to start with yeah let's be honest the debates that we have seen across the nation this last year have not exactly been toastmasters yeah so you know that's that's correct so so there there's the point like if someone goes after you you know defend i mean even biden was doing it and he should know better uh he got into defensive mode over and over he was clearly frustrated. Doesn't mean that he didn't win. I know what happened with the debate with Trump. But there are things you don't have to respond to every attack. If anything, if they want, they're trying to bait you, you pivot and then you go back to them. It's like debate 101. You stay confident, you stay smooth, go. Anyways, when he when she comes at him with the Green New Deal, you say, listen, McSally. I'm in the I'm in the in the camp of we believe in science. We see the energy costs in this country right now. We see what's happening with the wildfires. This isn't a partisan issue. You know, this isn't like what what President Trump said was just like a little bit of tinders and some leaves. This is a real crisis. And if you don't have the answers, then we are going to be I'm on the side of the folks who want to deal with this because their properties are at risk, because their water is at risk, their airs or whatever it is like you just own it. And I'm. For, for, for the amount of money that is being spent on this race and a lot of these races, it is shocking to me that some of the most basic components of running for office have not been uh, prioritized. I mean, this is what happened with Hillary Clinton. Hillary Clinton, a week before the election, a reporter asked her, this is in the book Shattered, uh, asked her, so why are you running for president? And she did not have an answer. First thing you learn, why are you running for office? Yeah. You have an answer. So, okay, so I have a couple things I wanna go through with you Let's like, let's let, here, re- read, read your notes and I'll save it. I mean, this is a, this is kind of been one of Kelly's issues. And it's like, I actually praised him to someone about this the other day on how far he had come in a, this election cycle. I was at an event with him 
last fall watching him speak to a crowd and it was a lot rougher mm. and, and, and you know and to be fair he's a first-time candidate he's not a polished yeah. guy he's never been put through this before and like he like it's i mean you're talking about like when you teach a kid to swim and throw him into the deep end like this is the most exaggerated version of that in a political sense you could probably find but at the same time for all the progress he's made and how impressed I was like five days ago, I think tonight we saw a lot of ways that where it was still falling apart. At the end of the day, Kelly was able to clearly articulate positions and which direction he would vote on things, but he wasn't when pressed on them necessarily capable of explaining the mechanisms on how to enact them. How would you pay for these things? How would you whip the votes to do this? That was still kind of out of his grasp. Now, to be fair, even that as a criticism was still light years ahead of whatever the hell was going on with McSally tonight. Mm -hmm. But I think there's a lot of room where even if she couldn't take advantage of it on the stage tonight, one of her consultants might be able to in the next couple of days. That's right. And that's an important thing to keep in mind here is this is the moment. I mean, it, voting is going on for 28 days, of course, but a consultant I means one of the reasons why she wanted to bait him was to get that soundbite where they can cut an ad, do a, 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 a mailer, uh, you know, with enough runway to send those mailers out, do the the proper attack that just might cut into. I just, I but I, the problem is, I just don't think, I don't think it's doable. I mean, what the only the only thing that confused me, and and we'll get to two issues that I think were really, really important, and um, specifically for Arizonans. But Trump right now, if you're looking at the polls, is actually neck and neck with Biden. So I, I still, I don't understand why she was using Trump's rhetoric in a lot of, but she was actually distancing herself from Trump. And that to me is confusing. Like, is there just a group of Trump voters that are just completely against McSally and she's trying to win over some more centrist voters? Like, again, like it comes down to who is her base? What is she doing? What's her path? What's her strategy? Um, You know, just leaving that out there. All right, so Medicare for all. Hi. the public option, you, you alluded to it. I was having flashbacks, as I'm sure a lot of the chat was, uh, to the presidential debates and how you gotta pay for it. How you gonna literally the, the difference between then and now is potentially millions of Americans not having health insurance because it's tied to their employment, showing, of course, the the, the problems that we have with our current system of Obamacare. And there was a great opportunity for Mark Kelly to, Kelly to come in. And I just feel like it fell flat, but. It's it's weird to me looking back at that earlier tonight and seeing that all almost all of his strongest and weakest moments were somehow in that healthcare discussion. Like all mm-hmm. at the same time, I felt like he hit his best points and by just being clear upfront about what he wanted to do and not backing away from that. But he fumbled by just not being able to explain why it's so vitally important right now. Right. And I think there's an interesting thing with Kelly when you're talking about Medicare for all, because he's not campaigned on that. He has distanced himself from it. He is this public option in addition to the ACA guy, right? I mean, that is, he is as center left as you can get on the issue. But at the same time, and I think we saw this tonight quite a bit. I think if you get a freshman senator with no political experience who, you know, he is one of these kind of moralistic grandstanders, right? And, and that's almost a positive thing mm-hmm. for me to say. It sounds like I'm kind of insulting him, but I'm almost trying to say it in a positive way. I think that it's there's room for him to be carried with the party 
Interesting. On a number of these issues. Because now, he's a freshman and he wants to have a long career. And if the country is yeah. moving that way, is that is that what you're saying? I think he's a whippable vote. I think he's in there. He's won the election. And we get enough progressive senators in there to put in some type of single payer plan. I don't see him necessarily being a no vote on it in, this, in the way that like Munchen, for example, like would be. You know, like there are Democrats who are- Or aren't. cinema. How do we know cinema? I mean- Cinema is a different question because I have no idea what cinema will do. I work in Arizona politics and I'll just come <laughs> out and say that right now. I have on no vote ever have I been like, I know how cinema is going to vote on that. And that goes back to to the her Prada socialist days in the state house. Like, I mean, you know, Kirsten Cinema is not- yeah. It's like, you know, shuffling cards and picking one off the top. I, I don't know what she's going to do on any given issue. It's reassuring. <laughs> wow. Exciting there. Um, all right. So so before we wrap up, I have one more question, and that that is the border security issues, because, you know, this is an issue that gets played out in the press nationally um, extensively. And I feel like it was very much which was very similar to the defund the police conversation, which also upset me. Um, it, they were talking about a lot of things that are very different. You know, having a border wall, which already exists, but funding a border wall, who, McSally wasn't very clear about like what the border wall is for. Is it to block the cartel, which isn't even used, like they're not carrying over the border really. They've got tunnels and helicopters and they plane go systems. They entry half the time. Let's just exactly. be honest. Let's be honest. And there's, you know, other deals happening there. Or is it about uh, people who are coming over the, undocumented people, which of course we know are not, they're not coming over the border for a lot of reasons, the economy, uh, you know, being held up in different parts of the country right now. And, and of course, we've got our lovely uh, uh, Stephen Miller program that has dissuaded a lot of folks from coming over the border. So I'm just curious, first off, what the fight is over? And second, why Mark Kelly seemed to defend it? Uh, so this is, I mean, this is where you're going to, like, Kelly is not, I'm not even going to try to, like, play a line here and be like, I'm a, I'm a Democrat who's trying to push people to vote for Kelly. That's why I had you on. Yeah. <laughs> like... uh, so my biggest disagreements with Kelly uh, are all around immigration. Uh, my biggest disagreements with every Democrat, including our furthest left ones, are on immigration. Um, so I worked on that Sanctuary City campaign. We touched on that earlier today. I mean, Kelly wrote an op-ed was pretty ill-advised against us and took it out of the paper. I said earlier, Kelly sounds like a Democrat from the mid 2000s or earlier. And that was what he was saying then was pretty much the standard line for all Democrats, right. you know, at that time on immigration. Well, we need to redo the system, but having people come here on an undocumented basis undercuts wages. So let's create not a wall, but a technological barrier of surveillance, which is, I don't know, maybe more ghastly. It's slightly less race baity than a wall, yeah. but it's it's not good policy. It's crazy expensive, and it the one you know the one thing I'll give McSally in this debate the one and only thing is she was right for half a sentence. She said we need to get to the root cause I, yeah. of our immigration problem. Now her diagnosis of that root cause is racist and horrible right. and not at all accurate, but she is right that if you want to solve the immigration issue. You need to get to the root cause. And unfortunately, Arizona is faced with the Senate election again, where we have two candidates who don't seem to know what that root cause is. 
And that's unfortunate because McSally kept talking about those ranchers in Southern Arizona. Yeah. And I guarantee you, if you went and asked one of them, they could tell you what the root cause is. I live in Southern Arizona. So, so what, what would you advise Mark Kelly? How, how would you advise him to express what the root cause is? I mean, it's complicated. Don't get me wrong. Because Arizona is not one cohesive state in the way that much of the rest of, of this country is. Our electorate is radically different from one part of it to another and the living yeah. experience of being here is. In my neck of the woods, we don't want any wall. Mm -hmm. uh, we don't want any, I don't. This is in any, Tucson, which yeah. is 45 and, and, and minutes south. from the border. Yeah. Right. I mean, I mean, we don't, it's just continuous land at that point, you know, mm -hmm. it is, and. Why, why, I mean, just playing devil, trying to, yeah. Explain to a population that may not understand the complexities in Arizona. Why don't you want a wall? I mean, why don't people south sorry. to midtown and down uh, to the border not want a wall, including so you, ranchers? You have a, you have numerous issues, frankly. I mean, one, you're talking about there's a lot of private property along the literally on the border. Mm -hmm. You have protected lands on the border. You have environmental issues here. So you're talking about to build this wall, and you've already seen it. And again, this goes for technological the surveillance kind of police state model of a wall too, right? You're going to have to take people's land that they've lived on, sometimes for multiple generations. Yeah. You need to build through it. And we're seeing those issues right now. You're also talking about indigenous land. Right. That, that we're seeing the issue between tribal governments and the federal government right now about this. You're talking about, frankly, also some of that land can't physically sustain that wall. And then you're talking about the inhumanity of of keeping people out and keeping other people in and trying to make these decisions for people completely arbitrarily and with no context to who they are or what they want to do or, or just letting them live their lives. I mean, it's just, there's so many myriad com complexities and that's just looking at kind of the big broad moral issues why, but let's get down to like the nitty gritty that I think even people on the right can understand when you explain it to them. It's good for the economy to have yeah. people coming over here either to live here or to visit here. And Southern Arizona as a whole, we often think of it like white American tourists going and partying and tearing up beaches in Mexico, which unfortunately too often happens. But there are a lot of people, I live here every December who come over spending their money on American goods, taking them back on locally made things. And that's the, it almost, I think to most Americans and other places sounds like a role reversal, but there is so much just commerce that happens on each side of the border from people that live on the other side of it that sustains the towns and cities and the people that live there that's why some of these people move there in the first place yeah. putting more restrictions on that of any kind is absolutely hurting working people on both sides of the border that's not helping this issue I, I i had um you know i spent a lot of time in tucson uh I have a friend who um, owns business on the border, one of the one of the smaller border towns, and they created a, a point of entry there. They um, they changed the system for the point of entry. This is maybe a decade ago, uh, in which suddenly the lines got longer. And what happened was was folks used to pass through. They lived on one side of the border city versus the other, and they go back and forth. And they'd see family, and they'd go shopping on one side. They have dinner on the other, et cetera, et cetera. It was like they they lived on two sides of in in some cases the same name. The city is the same name, and some it's not. Um, 
and the entire in this one town the entire uh american side the t- when they set that point of entry up, up and they changed the rules to get in this is under obama uh the entire town became a ghost town because they weren't able to sustain like you just said i mean i i just had i haven't thought about that in a decade since he told me that story um and then i went down there and saw it and you know, we're talking about warehouses. We're talking about businesses. We're talking, I mean, this is like real economy here. Yeah. And and that doesn't service, like you said, it's, it's not a, it, it, these are, I think, actually probably more conservative leaning people too, so. And oftentimes it is. But, you know, the, the truth is the immigration argument has never played well in Southern Arizona. Not this immigration hawk argument. It just hasn't. Interesting. And, you know, the part of Arizona that's sold in is Maricopa County. Phoenix metro, Phoenix. you know, the and the surrounding kind of suburban parts of it. And that's, you know, I mean, again, Joe Arpaio land. That's been kind of the discrepancy, right? Why does Arizona consistently go red in these, these elections statewide? And when you look at the electoral map, it's basically two blocks of blue with a thick red strip through the center of it. Hmm. I think where you saw McSally panicking tonight to tie this all back around to that debate, though, is if you look at the most recent poll, she and Trump are down in Maricopa County, which is where, where the Phoenix suburbs and Phoenix itself reside. There is and, no hope of any Republican winning statewide here without winning those overwhelming numbers in the Phoenix suburbs. It just, and this, and, and we're, when we talk about the suburbs, so Phoenix is a, is a huge, Maricopa County is huge, huge, huge. Phoenix, the city is more Democratic leaning, but there are some suburbs that are more Latino and some that are you know, a little bit more upper upper middle class to say the least, <laughs> like Scottsdale, Paradise Valley, et cetera. Um, are the, which, which ones are, are you looking at right now? So Phoenix is kind of an interesting, I don't know, ball of wax if you want to look at how it's cut up. Because when we say Phoenix, right, you're hitting on that right there. Uh, when people say Phoenix and they're not like living in Phoenix, what they're referring to is 23, I think it is at last count, different municipalities. 23 different cities with their own city councils, often with their own police forces, different tax rates, and just radically different political opinions, which is why sudden you'll suddenly see you know, rail transit just abruptly end when you cross one street there right. in a way that makes no sense. Um, the truth is Phoenix proper, which is what we, which is just Phoenix, capital P, has become pretty solidly blue with a couple of wealthy enclaves being an exception. The entire surrounding area is kind of a hodgepodge though. I grew up in Glendale, which is the West Valley, which is historically super working class and much of it is primarily Latino. Uh, One of our favorite shared uh, rep- state representatives represents that area. That Mike area Gazzata, also- let's give him a shout out, Bernie Kratt. Yeah, yeah let's give him a shout out. Co-chair of Arizona Bernie campaign. He represents West uh, part of the West Valley. The West Valley also elects some of the farthest right Republicans yeah. sitting on, on a border with each other that you would walk in five minutes. So the way these lines are cut arbitrarily to determine what is and what isn't a different part of Phoenix does affect these elections quite a bit. And it's so it's it's really difficult when you start looking at breaking it down to precincts and legislative districts to say, well, this is outside of just central Roosevelt Row hipster right. downtown phoenix 
that anything out there is, yeah, not. And and of course, um, the Republican, I mean, so just as we tie up, this is a party, you know, the Republican Party, the Goldwater Party, right? This was a very different Republican Party. But what the Koch brothers were able to do so well is find a way to invest in some of these more right-wing uh, folks who who took over seats in legislature and of course gerrymandered the hell out of Arizona and so there is this illusion that Arizona is more right wing um, and I think what you've referred to is it's a different type of Republican Party a different type of thinking and also I think t- t- on the same note there's Chuck Schumer's illusion of what he thinks Democrats are in Arizona and that's that couldn't be further from the truth it's an extremely Latino state there's a lot of young people in the state and um, and as a result, I mean, we saw how Bernie Sanders has his message really, uh, if he was given the opportunity, if the if the the election basically hadn't been tied up at that point, um, he probably would have done very well in Arizona as well. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, that's I mean, I could have said it better. Look, the truth is, I mean, if you want to look at the evolution of the Republican Party, the investments that outside groups made in Arizona was a roadmap that led to Trump nationally. Mm-hmm. I think. The roadmap to beat that back properly is at work right now at the grassroots in Arizona. When you see strong progressive candidates up and down this state, and I'm talking actual progressives, not just moderate center-left Democrats like we saw tonight, but real progressives all over the ballot, beating incumbent Democrats, beating their hand-picked heirs in primaries, and polling at levels that they're going to walk through their general election that's awesome that's that's how we went back that's how we went back the country though we know how we do this it's not rocket science whether or not democrats are seeing the writing on the wall and are willing to just say no maybe to a little bit of insurance money (laughs) alex kak uh give me give me a group that folks can go to if they want to learn more about arizona or help out in any way because this is a swing state i mean arizona is a swing state this election it turned blue in 2006 back when i worked in az politics way back in the day uh there's an opportunity again and and there are other hot spots like this around the country that we'll be focusing on but if if folks want to check something out where, where should they go Oh, I mean, God, there's a there's a million uh, different groups. I guess that depends on your political persuasion. If you're looking farther progressives, left, yeah. yeah. If you're looking farther left, uh, I a group that is very near and dear to my heart um, uh, is the People's Defense Initiative, uh, which is some of my closest friends in the world. And I know they're actively recruiting volunteers, and I believe some of it can even be done remotely. So reach out to them about things you can do to help. There are also a ton of progressive down ballot campaigns. If you want something you can do in an afternoon or you don't have to interact with a bunch of other people, just honestly reach out to me. You can cold call me on like Twitter or Instagram or something. DM me. It's open. I'll awesome. Tell me what issues are important to you. I'll direct, I'll direct you to the farthest left candidate I know that you can spend two hours calling or, or phone banking for. That's fantastic. All right. People's Defense Initiative, Alex Kack, uh, at Alex underscore K-A-C-K. Look his name up on the screen. I'll put it down on here on the, um, on the chat and hope to have you back on soon. We can talk, talk more. Uh, I'm doing nothing for the next year from the apparently. So let me know. (laughs) I think we're all kind of stuck inside for a bit. All right. Be healthy, be well. And thank you to everybody for tuning in. This was a lot of fun. Uh, Like I said, we're going to be doing more of these debates actually tomorrow night. Come check us out back on here. We are going to do live analysis of the Kamala Harris, uh, Mike Pence debate. 
plexiglass included. Uh, hopefully that is back here on the Nomiki show. And of course, our regular show airs 3 p.m. Eastern, 12 p.m. Pacific tomorrow. We have an amazing show, so make sure to check it out. It's late on the East Coast. Go get some rest. And I am hungry. I'm going to go have some dinner now. <laughs> All right. Take care, everybody. Thanks for having me.